0: The trade deadline has come and gone, and the Winnipeg Jets had a, a bit of a mare, if we're being honest. They missed almost every single player that they targeted that was of a particular value for major needle movers, and the two moves the Jets did make, while uh, certainly upgrades to the middle six, may not solve every single problem the Jets have. We'll dive into these trade moves and why the Jets took such a slow and conservative approach on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets Doing so is completely free of charge, and it ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, like I said uh, in the intro, tonight's episode is going to be diving into Winnipeg's trade deadline performance and why the Jets really didn't do all that much, if we're being entirely honest. Uh, so what moves did the Jets make? Well, they brought, in, um, and, you know, they brought in Nino Niederreiter for a second rounder from next year's draft, And the second move was Vladislav Nemesnikov for a fourth rounder in, I don't know, 2025 or 2026, a couple of drafts away. Basically a a non-pick, I guess. Nothing that the Jets are going to be particularly concerned about here in a few years. And when you look at the scope of Winnipeg's moves, the Jets basically fortified, you know, the middle six and bottom six spots, uh, especially out wide. But did they really do anything else? The answer is no. The Jets, in in so many words, for me, really just underwhelmed at this trade deadline. I feel like Winnipeg, you know, failed to invest in the players, failed to invest in the progress of this team, and instead took half measures to, you know, fortify some positions of need, but not at a level to where the Jets were really willing to spend draft capital in order to improve the team. Uh, And I I think the biggest problem for me here is, is it sends a really bad message to the team and the fan base. That message is that, quite frankly, the front office does not believe in the performance and quality of this team, which for me, look, I get it. The Jets, if we're being honest, overall this year, they're a team that's probably above average with amazing goaltending, and you know maybe that's gotten them a little further than it should have. But by the same token, the West is a very weak conference. And for the Jets, this is actually great because... If you have easier opponents in the postseason and you've got a goalie who we know can certainly be playing at a Vezina level plus a top six that's pretty potent, for me, it's a mistake to not pursue, um, you know, upgrades to your team that can really meaningfully move the needle, especially when a lot of the prices this year weren't exactly crazy. I get that Timo Meyer would have been essentially a rental, but look, the Jets have a two-year window uh, starting, well, really with the season and Winnipeg is basically throwing the white flag on the first of those two years for the jets to have over 3 million in cap space at the end of this trade deadline it sends a very worrying signal that Winnipeg is simply not interested in pursuing for me a, a commitment to winning they feel that this team is not good enough and that no matter what they do it really won't move the needle enough to push the jets in a better direction and to a point i i would understand if they knew that maybe the whole core was coming back in a couple of years, that a number of players, especially uh, Hellebuck, were were committed. But if you ask me, right, if I was a free agent in Hellebuck's shoes and I'm looking at all these teams that need elite goaltending, why would I want to resign with the Jets? I mean, Winnipeg's front office is basically not doing enough on a consistent basis to really you know, reward the players, um, to show that there's a commitment to building something really well-established and, and very strong and sturdy. And so I look at this team and I look at these moves. And if I'm a free agent, I'm just saying, no, I'm not signing with Winnipeg. Uh, I love this team and I love the Jets, but I think Winnipeg has this idea that they have trouble attracting talent. And I think if they were to really look inwardly at, at this whole problem and why this happens, the city being in maybe the you know not the most ideal location and you know, lacking certain amenities and things and draws for younger players. That part will always be true. And I think, you know, it'd be a a little bit disingenuous to say it's not a factor. But the other part of the problem is the Jets aren't a winning organization. They haven't been for the last five or six years. If you want to attract talent, you have to show that you want to win. And I feel like the Jets just haven't demonstrated that enough on a win, you know, like on a consistent winning basis. And look, This isn't to say that Niederreiter and Nemesnikov aren't upgrades. They absolutely are. Niederreiter especially is an awesome fit for this team. I think, you know, from a completely objective, very, I guess, isolated context, he is fantastic for a second rounder. I think that's a home run, you know, like a trade. I think the draft capital that the Jets gave up was very minor, but, you know, by the same token, the Jets just really didn't upgrade enough areas to uh, push this team forward. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois has been out recently. Perfetti is out for, you know, another seven or so weeks. And when you look at where Nemestikov and Nita Ryder have to slot in immediately, it's almost like top six duty because this team just frankly is running out of warm bodies in a lot of those, you know, critical and key positions. So while they, you know, could definitely be seen as major upgrades, uh, Niederreiter writer, especially the Jets, needed like two to three, maybe four total trades this whole deadline uh, of really high impact players to be playoff competitive. And now the team is teetering, you know, on the edge of actually missing the playoffs entirely, especially with the Flames kind of breathing down their necks a little bit. Thankfully, that you know is is at least delayed another day while the Jets uh, got some help from the out of town scoreboard. But you know, Winnipeg for me. I don't know. This trade deadline, if I have to give them a rating, it's probably like a D plus. I think they didn't pay much, but they also did not get enough in return to really turn this team from uh, zero to hero. Now, in a little bit, I'll talk about what concerns me about this particular approach, especially for the next couple of seasons, and why the Jets really blew an opportunity here to make a push and, and show a commitment to winning, especially for, you know, uh, a contract situation with the jets that's not exactly ideal but before we go any further i don't want to shout out our friends and partners at bill those of you who have heard me talk about bill bars before know that i'm personally a huge fan they're the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a 100% real chocolate exterior and a soft chewy interior they come in fabulous flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond and many others personal recommendation is raspberry dark chocolate very simple very straightforward but it is fantastic. And best of all, they're even better for you with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 140 calories, 14 to 17 grams of protein and four to five grams of net carbs. So whether you're looking for a meal replacement, maybe a snack, a candy bar replacement for those evening cravings or something just to fit your active lifestyle, Built Bar is there for you. You can pick them up on Built.com and order your own variety box or get some preset variety boxes from Walmart and Sam's club today. I highly recommend that you check out built bar. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Hello friends. And welcome back to this episode of locked on jets. We're part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. I just wanted to say, thanks again so much for making locked on jets. Your first listen of the day every day. Now we are of course talking about Winnipeg's trade deadline and, uh, some less than stellar vibes that we're getting from this. My main concern with Winnipeg um, coming into this trade deadline was that they are a team that has all of the cap space and you know the roster situation to do almost any anything. And the reality of what they did do is almost nothing. Now that's not to say that the moves that they didn't or that they did make were um, poor moves at all. I think Nemestikov and Niederreiter certainly fill roles. Like I said, I think Niederreiter is a fantastic acquisition. The Nemesnikov one is mostly just really funny because he was replaced by Mikey Izemont, who you all remember got waived by the Jets. And so somehow that whole situation has sort of come full circle. We basically waived Izemont and paid a fourth rounder for it. So not the best asset management, if we're being honest, but at least Nemesnikov is significantly better than a number of the players in the bottom six. Um... And that kind of brings me to, I, I guess, this broader point about the Jets and what we're seeing with them. For me, for the fact that they're not really willing to spend draft capital, that they weren't interested in adding on salary that was significant, that they did not pursue you know, players like Besser, Meyer, Chikrin, as seriously as a lot of the other uh, teams that they were competing with, it tells me that Winnipeg doesn't really think this core has what it takes over the next couple of years. And if that's the case, we might see some sell-offs very soon here in the upcoming summer. I wonder if the Jets are preparing to sort of blow this team up and kind of start over, which for me is uh, a little bit alarming. You know, this team is certainly going to have a number of major contract decisions to make. But if Hellebuck isn't one of them, if he's not somebody that they want to bring back, who the heck are they getting in net for this team. Hellebuck has been, you know, the anchor, the rock, the foundation of everything the Jets have done for the past 6-7 years and if he walks away, if he leaves this team, I just don't really see how the Jets are going to pull this off. You know, Dominic uh, DeVacenti is certainly looking like a really good prospect. Uh, Salmon and for the Moose has been pretty decent at times. Maybe Arvid Holm will one day become an uh, NHLer, but For me, Hellebuck is one of the greatest goalies of all time. I mean, he is on track to be a Hall of Famer. And for the Jets to have wasted his prime and to now look at the next two years and not really feel serious about investing in it, that for me sends such a horrible signal to the fan base and to the team. And to me, it shows that they don't really believe in investing in the players when really they should. I mean, this team has so much loyalty that it's actually loyal loyal to a fault. And now is when they kind of want to go against that and change their culture. I don't know, man. I think if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. And I think the Jets really needed to be a lot more aggressive, really pursue a top-end player. I get if there were some situations where they weren't going to be able to make deals. People will say, oh, people, you know, other hockey players don't want to play for the Jets. No one wants to come to Winnipeg. And it's like, well, actually, a lot of those guys who don't have trade protection, they don't really get a say in this. So they come to Winnipeg, and sure, they might not stick around. Maybe they don't want to sign an extension. But you know what? For that season or so, they're still your player. They still are contractually obligated to show up. And so for me, it feels like a cheap excuse to get out of the fact that the Jets just really did not do enough. And I, I don't know. You, know. you follow that up with that Oilers game on Friday, which was a complete nightmare. The Jets got slaughtered. Winnipeg looked completely uncompetitive. The vibes were just so, so freaking bad. And I feel, to a point, a little bit sorry for some of the players. Like, look, the Jets players certainly hold uh, responsibility. They bear responsibility in what's happening on the ice. And we're seeing some not great body language, some abandonment of assignments, and some tuning out of bonus that I think, for me, is not that dissimilar from what we saw when Maurice was the coach. And, you know, it's, it's a bad habit to get into. It's setting up poor examples for the future. And I just feel like the precedent the Jets are setting, it's not setting you up for future success, especially with this current group. If anything, it seems like Winnipeg is sort of content to let this group ride out into the sunset and then prepare for the next, I guess, phase of this team, whatever that even means. Um, It seems like Lucius and Lambert are are certainly going to be a part of that. Perfetti, most likely. Ehlers will certainly be around. Kyle Connor, most likely around. But, you know, maybe Scheifele goes away. I don't know. Maybe Hellebuck has moved. I I just really am sort of spitballing here. But, you know, the, the amount of uncertainty that now surrounds Winnipeg's future and the lack of forthrightness about what Winnipeg was into for this trade deadline and what they were really pursuing, it makes me nervous about the future for the Jets. It makes me feel like Winnipeg is kind of throwing the towel on the score and saying, we've gone as far as we can with this team. It's now time to start cutting salary, to save up money, to save up draft assets, and prepare for the next version of Winnipeg. And for me, that would be such a crying shame. We've sat through so many crappy years of this team that for the Jets front office to basically say, we're done, we're cashing out, I feel is unacceptable. You know, this fan base, it, it deserves better. The players deserve better. And if you you don't really see improvement this offseason, if this team doesn't have a different approach to building around this current core, you know, this coming summer, you're going to see an exodus of fans. I don't know how many, but it's going to be a big group that I think walks away. This team already is pissing people off. And I just feel like we all should be getting better from a front office that frankly has not shown it actually knows how to win. But that's going to be the end of my rant at least uh, for now. I mean, I'm just kind of frustrated, and you can tell that as a fan, it's been not the most fun of times, but at least the Jets finally won a game after a five-game winless streak. Winnipeg had a chance to avenge the Friday loss to the Edmonton Oilers, and did so in rather dramatic fashion on Saturday. We'll talk about that game and some takeaways in just a moment, but before we go any further, I wanted to shout out our friends and partners at Indeed. No matter how the last game went, Or, you know, what you're thinking about anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. And you can give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay a dime. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates for the right skills, you need one ha- powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, helping you find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed's Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. You only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. That's why I'm personally a big fan of Indeed. I think that their commitment to customer service and to using the instant match service to give you the best pool of candidates that can actually hop right into an application process and get started, for me, makes it so convenient and so helpful. And, uh, you know, right now, if you want to start hiring, they're offering you a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. The offer is valid through March 31st. Again, go to Indeed.com slash locked on right now to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, friends, so welcome back to this episode of On Jets. We're just wrapping up really quickly with some thoughts on Winnipeg versus the Oilers on Saturday. A, you know, rather big barn burner game, very throwback. It was like, what, seven to five or something that the Jets won. We saw things like goals from uh, Mark Scheifele, who deflected one. I think we had a Morrissey goal. We had a Nieder Ryder goal, I'm pretty sure, unless they still haven't credited it to him yet. Uh, we also had a Morgan Barron breakaway, all sorts of craziness. I think one of the takeaways I'm starting to have, though, is that Hellebuck right now is in a bit of a rough stretch. Uh, He's not really saving as much as we're usually expecting from him, and that's to say that his usual standard is basically being an unbeatable wall. More recently, Hellebuck has been a little bit more mortal for once, which it's really hard to be upset about him. You know, I, I think we all know that he carries this team time and time again, so I think he's allowed to have some bad stretches, but at a time in which the Jets have really struggled to score, and put things behind uh, opposing goalies on a consistent basis, it's just really ill-timed. I expect him to rebound and go back to Vesna form here pretty soon, but uh, in the meantime, the Jets are really going to have to buckle down and squeeze out offense from somewhere, because if Hellebuck isn't going to be able to cover all of your defensive errors, then, well, you best well figure out how to score real quick. And I guess that's where Nino you know, Niederreiter is going to be really helpful. I've liked him so far. I think he's been a really dangerous player, presence whenever he's uh, shifted with Ehlers or Shifley. He constantly attacks the slot. I like his work around the faceoff circles. He's also notched a number of assists since joining. So it seems like he's very much happy to participate in build up and just be that facilitator that the Jets frankly needed. Nemestnikov in his first game, I thought was fine. I think he made a couple of big blocks. He looked like a solid bottom six guy, a couple of dangerous chances in close, nothing too jaw dropping from him which you sort of expect because, again, Nemesnikov at this stage of his career, he's probably more like uh, a third or a fourth line defensive player, not so much somebody that's really going to be supplying a lot of offense. I will say, though, that I was really happy to see Barron finally score. He's been, I think, very effective recently, but just for whatever reason hasn't really been able to bust open that dam of scoring. I think once he does and really hits that next level, you've got a really serious middle six player there, somebody who I think could... Definitely play up and down your lineup, maybe even as high as the second line if you're in a pinch. One other thing I would be interested in seeing is uh, David Gustafson on the second line. I know that we saw Stenlin there this evening. Didn't exactly work all that well, if we're being honest. I think Stenlin's last performance was probably more of an outlier rather than uh, what we're usually used to seeing with him. You know, two goals in one game, he had that one outing. Um, probably not something that you want to grow accustomed to with his style of play, which is more on the defensive side, but otherwise, you know, <coughs> Winnipeg pretty much did what you expect. Uh, they were trading lots of high danger chances while they had the run of play at five, eight, five Winnipeg was defensively a little bit suspect. And like I said, Hellebuck was finally looking a little more mortal, uh, but the jets finally got a win really important for the team. Shifley basically tackled Morrissey at one point. So that tells you how really uh, how, how important and how much stress this team is under right now. I think they all know that they really have to perform because the team is teetering on missing the postseason. So let's hope they continue those good vibes into this week. And let's hope that Nita Ryder hopefully gets uh, either his first or second Jets goal in just a little bit. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. I wanted to say thanks so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day, every day. Now make your second listen, Game to Game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, and every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL. Local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on Odyssey, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!